Hello, everyone. This is Edo Ninja, and you are now listening to the Storm Connect podcast, published by the Sigil Arts Network. I talk about gaming topics and anime series of my own interests, like Ruby, Final Fantasy, Persona 5 Royal, and etc. The goal I aim to accomplish on every episode is to provide insights on these subjects that are usually overlooked, to spread awareness, and learn more. Remnant Rewind is a special segment of the show to where I specifically talk about Rooster Teeth's Ruby. And Ruby is a 3D animated web show consisting of four anime-esque girls, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang, and a few other traveler friends to train to become huntsmen and huntresses. However, they are now faced with a greater responsibility, which is putting their lives on the line to fight off against the creatures of Grimm and a formidable foe that will be mentioned in this episode. So if you have no knowledge of the Ruby series whatsoever, I recommend you check out the episodes at roosterteeth.com. That being said... Let's rewind on Ruby Volume 8, Chapter 8. But I gotta ask this question first before I start this uh, Chapter 8 review. But who let the hound out? Who let the dogs out? Sorry, sorry. I was uh, given a certain type of suggestion to start out the podcast episode this way. So, uh, yeah, here we are. But anywho. So, rewinding this episode here real quick. We begin off this chapters with the prisoners. Um, pretty much there was already an explosion there. Um, either if it was Raven or Cinder. It was obvious that it was Cinder. But at the very beginning, it looked like there was a... Uh, bird there it could have been crow that transformed to into a crow which it looks like that was the case but at the beginning uh, here me looking like the clown i was just hoping that that was raven but if it was like i'm pretty sure it would have been very apparent at the end of the chapter but it wasn't so yeah no I i'm pretty sure that was just crow because he disappeared out of nowhere when he turned into that bird so but oh my god i was just really hoping that it was Raven. Like, honestly, like, I'm still on that Raven watch 2021 for this volume, maybe. Like, if not, then hopefully the next volume, but definitely for this volume, especially that uh, Ruby's message finally went across to uh, all... It's all over Remnants now, so everybody knows that Atlas is under attack, but still, like, <laughs> Raven is the only one who could pull this off. Th th that would be nice. That would be wonderful. That would be great, but Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. I, I actually look like a clown there, because I was like, oh, my God, Raven? But that didn't happen. It was Crow turning into a Crow. So there's not much to really say about that, which I'll get a little bit more into that at the end of the chapter uh, with two characters, Cinder and Watts. But now we talk about uh, what went down at uh, Ruby's team all the way at the uh, Sneeze Mansion. So it looks like May Marigold, she did not stick around at the Sneeze Mansion and she decides to head down to the crater because she's really worried about what's happening down there since there's like little to no support down there, especially the fact that they lost like considerable amount of members to help out with. So, uh, but at least like it was like a nice small little conclusion after their debacle for a little bit because she's just like, you know what? Like, so much shit is happening. Everything is just looking so horrible right now. I'm, you know, she just looked very sympathetic about what's happening instead of, like, you know, she was kind of very frustrated in the past, like, chapter. So it makes sense. But I I'm glad that she was able to, like, you know, understand as to what's happening. Because, like, at the end of the day, everyone's, like, doing at their best. And she even said to herself, like, nobody knows what to do at this point, especially of, like, what's happening. Like, all they can do is what they can do now. But I'm glad it did not escalate to more divisions. It ended off just well and hoping for the best. So I continue to be a good fan of May, especially like with her frustrations. Like I totally get where she's coming from for sure. Now, 
on to the main event of this chapter. We do get to see a fresh change of Whitley's character after him being released from his father's clutches and no longer just being a mere shadow of his. And since he has control over the Schnee Dust Company, he pretty much now is acting differently. He's now helping out, which is like great and all, but like we get to see of like what he wants to do or like what's he gonna do about this whole grim situation. Haha, <laughs> I'm so funny. What I like about this too is the fact that like he seems excited to help, like he actually gets to do something and it's merely out of his own will. So at least I, I like where this is going for uh, Whitley's character. There's more that I have to say about with Whitley, but like before I could really dive a little bit more into that, I do have to bring Willow into this. But I'm just gonna keep going on as like, you know, as usual, I, like I talk about as how the chapter ha uh, happened in chronological order. Uh, so putting Whitley aside for a moment, I'll bring him back up, of course. Let's talk about Ladybug. If you're not sure of what Ladybug is, it involves the characters of Ruby Rose and Blake Belladonna. So this was supposed to be like a touching nice moment between with Ruby and Blake because there's definitely like not enough interactions of those two characters specifically in like in the entire series. But I have a couple comments to make on that. So when Ruby was feeling pretty down about this whole situation, Blake pretty much cheers her up by saying like, you know, that's never stopped you from doing something. I've always, I've always been like that too when I was a little girl, but like things got in the way time after time, you know, stuff that took a toll on me, but... You know, I didn't know if I could survive until I met you. But ever since the beginning, you've always inspired me and you still do. And I was just like, is that really true? Like, I actually took the time to like view some clips from volume one and two and maybe a little bit at the beginning of three as well. I don't know if it's because that they don't really talk that much to each other, but it just seems very strange that like of all things that they picked out for Blake, uh, for Blake's dialogue, it just goes like, oh yeah, well you've inspired me. It's like, uh, it's just really hard to believe, especially like the fact that like things kind of were on a rough start, not as bad between with Ruby and Weiss, but like, you know, Blake was kind of like, you know, uh, don't get too close to me and stuff like that. She made questions, she made questions things here and there, but like, I've never seen anything to where Blake was just like, oh, Wow, you know, it just seemed that she was so warped up about with her issues and such and like, you know, again, the most interactions she's had among with the team is Yang and, you know, arguably with Weiss as well. I like that they're now finally like giving more depth to pretty much the dynamic between the two. It's just I feel like this was a really weird way to go about this, especially the fact of how little to no evidence that there is to the support of uh, the ladybug dynamic but I personally believe that if Blake were to say something about how she felt when she was away from team Ruby pretty much after like the whole split happened after volume three if she were to like think about I'm like fuck like what what would Ruby do in this situation stuff like that it's just like you know what my team later did not do this and stuff like that. I should be doing the same thing for the Faunus, and we're going to go save ha uh, Haven Academy. I feel like if they took some type of example from that and tried to implement that type of dynamic, and especially the show of, like, Blake was also thinking about with Ruby at the time being, and, you know, not just Yang, because, like, you know, there, there was, like, brief mention of Yang, but, you know, uh, she only talks about, like, the team of how, like, she's loved them dearly, but, like, 
there's a little bit of brief moment of Yang when Sun spoke about her. Nothing about with Weiss and nothing about with Ruby. The way of how I would have put this together, like, just not for what I just mentioned earlier, but, like, the way of, like, implementing with the dynamic, I would have mentioned that instead of being inspired, I would say, like, Ruby gave her the drive to keep pushing forward. And especially as to, like, when she went back to Menagerie and after for everything that just, like, you know, started to, um, things that were about to tense back up, she was just like, oh, hell no. Even for Ruby Rose, she is a very very flawed main character i will say the one thing that's been, that's been i guess you could say pretty consistent is the fact that like she is some showing some type of leadership as it's kind of like just building on and of how to like rally things up together i'd say that would be like the best way of to say like oh yeah this is how i got my drive from you Though I do agree that, like, it is strange because, like, Ruby was just kind of, like, just a kid back then. But I would have said that, like, as time went on, as they start to grow as a team, things have changed. I definitely would have said that all together just that way. The concept idea of the dynamic is not bad. It's just the execution of it. I believe it was just very odd to me. But I will appreciate the fact that, like, they are now adding more depth into that dynamic. So... We can appreciate that, and I would hope that it goes more to a direction in the future. Other than that, Blake still seems to be a very lively character in this volume, and I'm liking that. She did not have that in Volume 7 and somewhat at 6 until towards the end. Later on in the chapter, Penny seems to have awakened, and she is still struggling against with the virus chip that Watts implemented onto one of her swords. And I guess there was a Penny and Nora moment, which I actually was hoping for that. Like, I actually said this many years ago, all the way in 2014, that I hope that there was, there was going to be a moment between those two. And I didn't think it would actually happen. And I love it. Nora, a character into the Ruby series where she's having, like, an identity crisis without Ren. And she wasn't that much of a character to begin with. And you have Penny, who grew into a character... From basically from a robot to an actual, like, uh, what a human girl would say, like, oh my god, that development. But anyways, uh, the fact that, like, you know, and even with her becoming the Winter Maiden, like, with everything, I feel like this was well executed between the two. And it's really nice, especially, like, of how those two are trying to keep in line as to their true selves. One that is doing soul-searching, the other one that happened to grow personality, feelings... And, who is also the Winter Maiden, also became part of a bigger picture, and now she really wished that she didn't. I don't think we're gonna get those type of dynamics again between the two characters, but I'm hoping that they do. I doubt it, but I want more moments between with Penny and Nora. I feel like it's a great dynamic and underrated. And I'm hoping at least by the end of this volume or like maybe to the next volume, depending on how this story goes, I just hope that they have great results of their character developments and I just hope they don't regress or like nothing just happens at all. I really hope something good happens between the two. But according to the opening, we might not get a happy ending in this volume. <laughs> Anyways... I guess we can fast forward a little bit now. Uh, let's talk about Willow. Willow and I guess now with a little bit of back to Whitley. Now that we're seeing more of Willow's character, like since it was like the tease of it in Volume 7, and now we see more of her in Volume 8, she's 
definitely exactly what I expected. And so far, I'm not disappointed. I really liked Willow in this chapter. Someone that is a broken mom and she's overwhelmed by like pretty much the horror as to what's happening in this chapter and how like she tries her best to get it together either by struggling to drink or to like watch out for her family. I really like that. I hope this would not be the last that we definitely see of Willow. Uh, I'm just hoping that doesn't mean that she has the uh, well... There's a certain haircut that they always do with uh, mother characters in anime, and unfortunately, she exhibits the, uh, yeah, I'm that mom that's gonna die in the series, um, haircut. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I definitely could be wrong, but like, oh god, I I would hate for this to happen. That they just finally showed off of who she, who she is and such, and like you know, we're getting this character death of her in this volume, all for it for her to die in this volume. I hope that does not happen, or at least at all in this volume. I definitely think that Willow should not die at all in the Ruby series. But if that happens, oh, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I will not be ready to have that conversation. What I notice about this chapter as well, that like Whitley seems to have a little bit of distaste towards to his mom, which I'm just like, dude, like, like I get it. Cause like, she didn't really step up to be a mom and such. And she was kind of powerless that she just kind of accepted her fate. Uh, at least that's the type of character that she pretty much uh, gave off the impression of based on her dialogue and her actions and such. But it, it's just like, dude, you, come on, like, if anything, you should be having a distaste towards your father. Like, your father was on some shit. Like, Willow, she... I, I it's, She's human. And I, as much as that, like, she kind of just, like, did not do the best as a parent. I, I'm, come on. The least you can do is respect her. At least a little bit more than how you'd respect with Weiss. I mean, like, now the relationship just kind of grew, but... Oh, my God. Come on. I just think that's shitty. But like I said, I'll take Willie's character development, but I'm just like, dude, cut back, cut back the slack on your mom. Shit. I mean, like, dude, she also used her summoning, her fucking summons, her glyphs to fucking save you. Come on. It would have been cool if Willow was actually a fighter as to how she grew up. That would have been really interesting. And that could be true. I don't know if they're actually to go a little bit more in depth about it, but hey, I, I am now... A little bit interested in Willow's character now. Now that like they kind of just showed up as to how she is now, and just showcasing that she could also use her summonings, I I definitely want to learn more about her. And I think it's good that they showed this because it's just like like let's say that Willow, let's say that she's not a fighter. At least she has something that she could also defend herself with. So oh yeah, no, that bitch definitely has her aura unlocked. But anywho, proceeding on forward. <laughs> I just want to mention this real quick that this Grim Hound has been killing me ever since that it's been showcased at the very beginning of this fucking volume. Like, that bitch has been going like, wolf, wolf, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know. It, I just think it's just so funny. Like, even though, like, it's supposed to be, like, horror, and they do a very... They do a very good job of the horror aspects of Ruby, and they definitely have kept up to that consistency in this volume so far. But just for some reason, this fucking hound, like, is just so fucking funny. This hound is the reason why this chapter was a cute horror episode. 
I know that's like really strange to say, but like it is one of Salem's pet and like he does act like a dog. So it's just so fucking funny to me as to like how like it acts like a dog like sniffing around the place. And what I find interesting as well, like even though the Grim saw like the green light, he didn't go through the fucking uh, the windows of where the light was coming from. He just went through the fucking front door. Well, window, I guess you could say. But bitch starts sniffing around, just starts walking around. Instead of just rushing up to the fucking stairs, he's just like, let, let me sniff around this fucking place. I'm gonna find it. Let, let me guess where she's at, like, in a fair way. <laughs> they didn't have to do that, but they definitely did that just to add a little bit more of, like, the creative episode of this. And it, it was very funny. I gotta give that to Kirby for that one. That being said... I didn't talk about this earlier. I actually saved it just to talk about it at this part because I had to talk about it over on this chapter so far. But <sighs> I'm extremely, extremely bothered by the fighting choreography of this volume so far. Like, let me talk about with a segment between Blake and Ruby when they were fighting off that Grim. Blake? She usually does not charge into fights like that. She's like much more of like a clever type of sneaky type of fighter. And the way of just how she was, like, it's just so different. Like more even more different than like the the recent volumes of volume four and five. And six, actually. More of five and six, actually, now that I think about that. Yeah. She had some type of like ninja like aesthetic towards to like her fighting style. And it's just like all she's doing is just shooting and then just charging in. Then after that, she just gets her ass beat. Like, what in the hell was that? Like, that was not even much of a fight. That was just her getting thrown around. Like, even though it's cool to see that they're using, like, dust to infuse into her semblance, her shadows, like, all over against the Grim, like, it, it didn't even do much. It, it barely did shit, actually. She usually fights a lot smarter than that. Like, even though, like, let's say, for example, if, like, if she did approach on and there was not, like, actual, like, good approach options, like, you know, I'm not saying that she can't struggle in a fight, though, but it's just, like, that's all that she did. She just kept charging in. She just kept getting thrown around. Like, that is so not Blake's fighting style. I realize there's not much comment that I could really say with Ruby except with her just using the silver eyes, but uh, because of that, there was, like, not much of that. I'm just gonna skip over that because it's, it's not really much of a buzz to really talk about but the way that blake was struggling like did they really insert this moment just for like to have another of those like oh yeah like you're the main protagonist like we need you speech it's just like no you you definitely could take on against this grant like i'm not saying that like you could easily win this fight though but i'm just like really like you're saying this of all times now wait until you get into the boss fight until you fight cinder or something because that's actually gonna happen probably but anyways and weiss don't get me started about with weiss weiss has speed she has time dilation she has all these things and like the most that she uses are her icebergs and her summonings which is cool i i, I guess but like that's it like what about the other like abilities that she was able to use from the beginning like what happened to that she usually fights much more better than that i miss when she was able to use her glyphs and like literally like go zoom around her opponents grim human anything 
and literally just do like great attacks just for uh, a chance for an opening. She could have done that in this chapter, but that did not happen. It just was just so slow. The fighting choreography overall has just been so slow. Like, whoa, what happened? I'm just pretty astonished in this chapter, mostly about the fighting choreography. I like, <laughs> I knew there was going to be a shift change after for volume three, of course, but like, <laughs> this was probably like the worst fights of Ruby, or at least one of the most worst fights against with Gray or Human, whatever. It's just, oh, I, I was not, I was not impressed at all. The problem I have with this is the fact that, like, we've seen them do at least some decent fights, especially in the previous volume in Volume 7. We've seen them do decent fights, and just this? We know y'all can do better. I'm sorry, but, like, this... I did not like this execution one bit. I'm just... And now that I'm seeing that, like, I don't know if it's because of the, uh, it's the effect of the pandemic. It could be. But I am... Very alarmed as to how their fighting style choreography goes on in the uh, future because that was an extreme definition of yikes. They talk about how the cast has pretty much improved, but like because of they improved, they're also like falling so short on these abilities that actually were very helpful and as to how they were previously into the series. And just here we are now. It's like. Please, I I really do not want to see this go down into a playground style of fighting. The last time that I've been that disappointed into a fighting choreography or how well a scene was done in someone in that similar matter was in Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, if you don't know anything about the lore of Kingdom Hearts 3, like, and you're still, like, kind of just playing it, if you're not, at like, at the end game part of the game... Skip this podcast episode for about, like, maybe a couple minutes. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to try my best not to go about too much about this. Three, two, one. Okay, so. <laughs> so when the Keyblade wielders, like, you know, the, the Guardians of Lights, when they confronted against with Terranor that he just starts bodying everybody, like, like, they all just stood there and stuff like that. It's just like... Y'all, y'all have trained so much for these abilities and such and like for what y'all could do and none of you guys are doing anything about it. And like some of you are just like, you know, wobbling your keyblade around like that's gonna do something. No, what? Did y'all forget how to be keyblade wielders for a moment? That's exactly how I feel about this chapter. And like, did y'all forget how to be huntsmen and huntresses for that moment? I'm, I'm now that alarmed for the quality. Like, I was like, like, so far into this volume, like, how things have been done, the most that I've been a fan of so far, and at least to one that makes sense, is Penny versus Cinder. But that's it. That's literally all that we got here right now. There are more fights that I definitely would like to talk about, even that ones that are not in this chapter. But I'm just going to save that for my Ruby Volume 8 review, like, when this volume is over. But, like, because that, like, I saw this chapter... I had to get that out of my chest because I'm now very worried as to how we're going to see the rest of the chapters. And I just hope, I really hope this does not let me down because, oh my goodness, like we're, we're already like in mid-season and such. And the fact that like that was like the first thing that like we come back to after for like that, you know, a little bit of a longer hiatus than usual. What happened? Oh my God. <laughs> but that's all that I can really say about that. I just... <laughs> 
That's all I really want to talk about the fighting choreography. I I, I just had to stop myself. I, I'm, I was about to go more about it, but gonna say that for the volume review. So expect more comments about that in the future because you definitely would not. This is not. This is definitely not the last time you're gonna hear anything about this. So <sighs> sorry. Let's move forward, everybody, shall we? So later. Penny, she is now being utilized by that virus chip, and the motive is to open the vault and after that to self-terminate. So now that we heard that last part, I really am curious as to how the rest of this volume is going to go, because uh, the Hound is defeated, obviously, spoilers, ha ha ha, but the fact that, like, okay, well, I had the Winter Maiden powers, and I got to open the vault, but now I got to self-terminate, when, like, you can't just use it as a puppet of your own like I, I was just i've been gassing that theory up for like the entire volume but i guess this has been debunked i mean it I, it could change that obviously could change in the future but like now that we know that, that that's like a mission that she has to do like step one and step two it's like wow you know, it, it would be really funny if you have control over her and stuff like that. And, like, that, that that's how you're going to end it off as. Especially the fact that she's the Winter Maiden now. Oh, my. But, of course, it might not pave that way because now Cinder is going to be the one to go find Penny. And there's definitely going to be a fight, for sure. As to how the outcome is going to transpire, that that's yet to be seen. But some of the theories that I mentioned earlier into earlier in my podcast episodes... They're still not out of question yet, but now we're kind of just dumbing down the list and seeing of like what's possible now. So definitely like Cinder and Penny and Ruby Weiss, Blake and maybe Nora, like things happening at the Schnee's uh, mansion is definitely going to go down that way or at least somewhere close to that. There's going to be some type of confrontation, of course. So I am really looking forward to that with Ruby having finally having the run bag with Cinder, definitely with Weiss. Weiss, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually hoping that they do fight off with Cinder uh, and they probably have to focus off against with Penny because she might be controlled to fight as well. But who knows? Other than that, the only thing I really have left to mention about this chapter is the the human gram hybrid theory. That's a popular theory that's been going around within the community. And now it's true. Looks like Salem could actually use dead people as grim slaves. And that's terrifying. We're not exactly sure as to how it works, but like we pretty much got like the concept idea that that is possible. And it's disgustingly well done. But that being said, you know, nobody. No death. Summer Rose Grimm. That's about to happen. Like, we definitely have not seen... Like, we don't know if Summer Rose is actually dead or not. So, the chances of seeing that is so high into the series. Maybe not for this volume. But, like, I would not be surprised if we actually see that. Like, they only been hyping this up. Like, oh, yeah, Summer is dead or whatever. Because she never came back from a mission. But, like, we've never seen if she's actually dead so oh either again she's either alive or well another experiment of salem and that's just scary i also think that like salem has the strict order as to not kill ruby rose so i feel like with the connection of that and basically that her mom is you know could actually probably be alive or another experiment 
I feel like something is gonna have that type of tie in and we're, we might see that reason into that series. I feel like those two are connected into that. Cause it's like, there's no real good reason to keep Ruby alive. Unless that she also wants to use Ruby as an experiment. Maybe that's how it could work. Cause like, Silver-Eyed Warriors, I, I would assume that Salem would want to get rid of as many of them as possible. But if she has another way of going around about it, I feel like this could be another well tie-in as to, um, of her creations, of her very well uh, descriptive, disgusting creations of Grimm. Yeah, uh-huh. And fuck, we might even see a Grimm Adam Taurus. That's actually really terrifying to think about as well. I doubt we'd see a Grimm Pira Nikos, because, like, her body literally turned into dust, so there's not even a single trace of her. Unless there is an explanation that comes in for that later, I definitely do not see that being a possibility at all. Regardless, we are now seeing, like, new peaks of Salem's power, and... Oh god, it just gets terrifying as we grow, we grow closer to each, every end of the volume, because it, it usually ends up that way. Like, you know, at the beginning, it's like, okay, this is what we're reviewing. This is pretty much the plot. This is what we got to do. All the way to how it progresses as to, yeah, Salem's that terrifying. Salem's that terrifying. And they actually do a very well done job of that. And it's kind of unique, too. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, a little bit of a rinse and repeat off of, like, other inspirations. This, it feels fresh, and I like that. I just hope that they're able to, like, you know, tap into that potential peak when they actually face off against Salem, like, personally. And also, the reason why I bring up, you know, about the connection with the whole Silver-Eyed, well, here's the thing. That Grim Hound, we got to see its identity, since now we understand where the human intelligence is coming from. It was a Faunus, and he also had a Silver Eye, and it's like, whoa, that's how you know that Salem truly does not like fucking Silver-Eyed Warriors, and potentially also Faunus as well, because, wow, she, she really did that Faunus Silver-Eyed Warrior dirty like that. That was so foul. And I definitely do not doubt that we're going to be seeing more of these into the future. And, oh, God, I'm, <laughs> I, I might have a hard time watching this because, like, it, it was just so creepy and gross. It's like, oh, God. And, like, the fact that, like, when it actually, like, started fading away, like, the only thing that you see left of it is the skeleton. It's like, what the fuck? This is so fucked. Cool, but kind of gross and creepy. Other than that, there's not really much else I have to say about this chapter, except for, like, maybe Cinder manhandling Watts. Like, she picks him up and just like, oh, yeah, I'm now important of this volume. Just, like, literally picks him up. I, I just feel like Watts is just so used to being thrown around like this. Like, he got his ass body in the last volume, and here he is. Like, he keeps getting bodied, and now, like, he's just a toy. A fucking tall boy toy it's kind of funny but sad at the same time y'all gotta give the genius a break holy shit now like what are my exact thoughts on this chapter overall well if i had to break it to you like this it left me conflicted because in this chapter there are many like there, like let's let's put it this way okay there are many high levels of this chapter and there are many low levels of this chapter there are many good things that they definitely did execute very well on. 
But because that they do a good job on that, I feel like they forget some other aspects of to what makes Ruby great. And they're definitely like falling very short on that. And the fact that it was screaming into that in my face in this chapter, I'm very alarmed as to how this series is going to progress. More so, I'd say, with this volume. Like I said, I want to give the benefit of the, uh, the doubt because of this pandemic. But to be fair, they've already had this written down before Volume 7 ended, to my knowledge. At least around that time frame. But even then, the execution of this, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to keep going with the flow and see what happens. But I'm now starting to have that little bit of the red alert feeling for where the series is going in terms of their execution and their production uh, or post-production, all of that, essentially. But I'm going to remain and keep an open mind. But uh, I just hope this is the last time that I have felt this conflicted on a chapter. But other than that, that is all going to be for the podcast episode. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave out a five-star rating if you enjoyed this podcast. Hit up the Storm Connect Twitter at StormConnectEN or other platforms this podcast is on for feedback on the show. I definitely would love to hear your guys' thoughts on today's uh, Remnant Rewind episode. Uh, that being said as well, uh, before I actually sign off, I just want to give a bit of a quick thank you to uh, my new followers. Uh, I... I pretty much have posted uh, some of my Ruby designs. Uh, I definitely have posted them on Twitter like over the years, but like uh, since the official Ruby Twitter account, they asked for fan art, especially to celebrate with 100 episodes and such. I'm no artist, but like since I do uh, visual designs and such for like, you know, static and for motion editing, I do all those. So I posted that onto the, um, into their mentions and it just, blew up and I just happened to have a surge of new followers and such. So if you are new to my podcast and new to my community and stuff for uh, for what I do, thank you so much for taking interest. I truly, truly value that from the bottom of my heart. I love talking about this series as much as most of the uh, other Ruby creators, uh, viewers, anyone that's like interested into Ruby. I love talking about this series so much. And I'm just glad that I'm just now getting much more of an audience for that. And I just want to thank you guys so much for taking that interest and such. And I hope to see you guys more around to uh, make your comments about to what I really have to say about this and how passionate I really am for this series, regardless of how good or bad it may be. But it it gave me some type of good value drive to want to create content for this series, you know? I've been trying to make Ruby content for so long, but I just never got a good footing around to it up until volume seven. So I'm still kind of new to this somewhat, but I'm kind of just playing catch up to like for, you know, lost time. But I've been watching Ruby since like volume two uh, dropped. But I also hope that you guys take into interest in my other forms of content like Persona 5 Royal, uh, soon Devil May Cry 5. I'm actually gonna introduce that uh, here on to basically as to what I'm doing now and stuff like that in Storm Connect. So look forward for that into the future. And uh, yeah, there's a lot that I can really say, but like you you can check around my social media and such to see of like what else that I do and such though, especially if you found me through Ruby. So uh, once again, thank you guys so much. If you're new here and stuff like that, I appreciate you. And I hope that you're willing to stick around for this ride. And well, <laughs> we talk about Ruby and Remnant Rewind. <laughs> this is Zeno Ninja. Thank you for tuning in to uh, Storm Connect's uh, Remnant Rewind episode today. Stay safe, healthy, and for heaven's sake, stay smart. I'll see you guys next time.
See ya.